0: Uh, Reading Philippians 2.13 together out loud. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work, according to His good purpose. God is working in each one of us. God is working in each one of us according to His good purpose for us. God is working in each one of us to will and to work. As God works in us, he gives us the desire for his good purpose and the power to fulfill his good purpose for us. What God wants for us may not be convenient, it may not be easy, it may not be popular, and it may not be quick, but what God wants for us is always best for us. And those around us. What God asks from us is faith. God asks us to trust Him and to do what He asks us to do. Thank you. You may be seated. God is going to continue His work in us in these moments. I love what Oswald Chambers, uh, the author of The Devotion God, My Utmost for His Highest, wrote in one of his devotions, and he wrote these words. If we're going to live as disciples for Jesus, we have to remember that all efforts of worth and excellence are difficult. The Christian life is gloriously difficult, but its difficulty does not make us faint and cave in. It stirs us to overcome. Thank God he gives us difficult things to do. God's grace produces men and women with a strong family likeness to Jesus Christ, not pampered, spoiled weaklings. The Christian life is gloriously difficult. I love that. I love that statement of truth. The Christian life is gloriously difficult. We know this and understand this. Day by day, God asks us to follow him by faith. And as we do, he continues his work in us of making us more and more like Jesus. And we know that we are going to face challenges, difficulties, trials, and tests Because our Savior Jesus faced trials, difficulties, tests, and challenges in life. And God uses these difficulties, these challenges, to shape us to be more like Jesus. He uses the challenges in our lives to shape us, to mold us into the image of His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we have been walking through our study of Galatians, we have seen this time and time again. As Paul has given testimony, as he referred to Peter and Barnabas, as he's spoken to these believers in the churches in Galatea, we see God at work in their lives. Using the challenges, the difficulties, the tests and the trials to shape them and the likeness of Jesus. And so we know this is comforting to us. This is encouraging to us. This is motivating for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Today, as we look at our lives, as we look at what God's doing in our lives, as we look at how we came into this room this morning, as we think about the challenges, as we think about where we are personally, individually, in our relationship with the Lord, we begin to understand, and we realize, even now as we begin to dive into God's word, that He is at work in us. And the challenges, the difficulties, the trials and the tests are being used by God to shape us, to mold us into the likeness of Jesus. And so it's incumbent upon us this morning to open our eyes, open our minds, our lives to the Lord, to yield ourselves to Him fresh and new as He continues His work in us in these moments. So open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, as we have studied this book of Galatians up to this point, we have learned about our blessings and privileges and our responsibilities as followers of Jesus Christ. We know that there are blessings as followers of Jesus Christ. We know that we have responsibilities as followers of Jesus. And so as we finish our study Through chapter four this morning, as we prepare to embark on our study through chapter five next Sunday, I want us to take just a few moments this morning, and I want us to answer a couple of questions that Paul asked these believers years ago. I believe these are two of the more important questions for us to answer in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. They were certainly important to Paul as he focused his attention with these believers on these two questions. We've actually seen these two questions. We've actually walked through in these first four chapters Paul's dialogue with these believers that has included these questions, and we've actually even seen some answers to these questions, and we're going to look at these once again this morning. But we're also going to respond to these questions personally. God wants you and he wants me to respond to these questions this morning. So the first question, is Christ in you? This is the first question, is Christ in you? Paul challenged these believers with this question We've seen this throughout our study. In particular, look at Galatians chapter 3 and verses 2 and 3. Paul said, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by the Spirit? Are you now finishing by the flesh? Is Christ really in you? That's what he was asking these believers. Paul answered this question in each of the first four chapters in Galatians. Look at chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. Paul answered the question. Paul wrote these words, Grace to you and peace from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. It is clear from the very beginning of this letter that Paul believed he was writing these words His brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. But he continued to confirm this belief to us throughout Galatians. If you look in chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, Paul wrote, We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, and yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. We could look in chapter 3. We could look in chapter 4. We see this again and again. Just for grins. Look at chapter 4 in verse 8. But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to the things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God or have rather become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved by them all over again? Paul said, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. Paul confirmed salvation is by faith in Jesus, not by works of the law. Paul confirmed these were his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Paul kept the main thing, the main thing. Paul reminded these believers they were forgiven by God. They were right with God. They were children of God. By God's grace through faith in Jesus, not by their works. This was his first question. Is Christ in you? Each one of us must answer this question. Each one of us, here present, watching online, must answer the question, is Christ in you? That's first. Have you heard, believed in, and received God's gospel of grace in Christ Jesus? See, the scriptures teach us that we are all sinners and we fall short of God's glory. We've all said, thought, and done things that are against God, the truth of God's word, that are unpleasing to God. We've all turned away from God in our sin against God. There's none of us righteous, no, not one. Our sin against God separates us from God, and we, in our sin, cannot get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. We are literally on a collision course with an eternity in hell. The gospel is the good news that we can receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, not by our works. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. We don't receive salvation Because we deserve salvation. We don't receive salvation by being a good person. We don't receive salvation by doing good works. We don't receive salvation from our parents. We don't receive salvation from our grandparents. We receive God's gift of salvation by His grace at work in our lives through our response of faith and trust in Christ Jesus. We have new life, abundant life, eternal life with God in Christ Jesus is Christ in you? If the answer to that question for you personally is, if I'm being honest, no, not yet, then the great news for you this morning is you're going to get an opportunity to answer that question properly in just a few moments. The first question led to into the second question. The second question was Paul's true focus with these believers. He believed they were his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. This second question was the place where Paul parked for much of Galatians, much of what we've studied up to this point. The second question Is Christ being formed in you? Is Christ being formed in you? If you look at chapter 4 and verse 19, Paul wrote these words, My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. Paul said, My children, So he referred to these believers as his children. They were his spiritual kids because he shared the good news of the gospel of Jesus with them. He helped them to place their faith in Christ Jesus. He was in essence their spiritual earthly father, my children. He said, I am again in labor pains for you. As we've shared, Paul suffered for these believers to get to them to share the gospel with them. Paul suffered the opposition, the persecution, the mockings, the ridicule of the false teachers, the Judaizers, the unbelieving Jews. Paul suffered severe pain at the hands of the unbelieving Jews who beat him and literally left him for dead outside of the town of Lystra. Beat him Checked, thought he was dead. Once they thought he was dead, they turned and left. Paul said, I am again <clears throat> suffering labor pains for you. Paul taught these believers the process of Christ being formed in them is Christ-likeness. It's sanctification. It's, It's spiritual growth. Paul taught these believers Christ in them is the starting point in the Christian life, not the stopping point. Paul taught them once they came to faith in Christ Jesus, they were to become more and more like Christ Jesus the difference Christ made in them was to be seen and heard by others through them. Paul was frustrated with them because though he knew Christ was in them, he also knew Christ wasn't being formed in them because they were busy following the false teachers. Paul expressed this in verse 20. He said, I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. He's saying, in essence, you answer the first question right, but you're not answering the second question right. The false teachers... We're leading these believers away from God instead of to God. Away from God's truth instead of to God's truth. Away from their freedom in Jesus instead of to their freedom in Jesus. Away from God's grace instead of to God's grace. Away from their faith in Jesus instead of to their faith in Jesus. Away from Paul instead of to Paul. Paul was frustrated with these believers Christ is in you. But I know Christ at this moment is not being formed in you because you've turned away from Christ and you're following the false teachers. Thankfully, Paul didn't give up on these believers. Paul challenged them here to turn back to God because he loved them. And he wanted God's best for them, which Paul knew himself was for Christ to be formed in them. And so he challenged them. Turn back to God. Turn back to God. Turn away from the false teachers so that Christ can continue to be formed in you. This is the bulk of what we've been studying as we've been making our way through chapters 3 and 4. This second question is the question that God wants to hone in with you and me today. The second question is the main question that God wants us to, to turn our attention to this morning. Certainly most of us would probably answer the first question in the affirmative, yes. The question that God is really wanting us to consider, to answer honestly, truthfully, is this second question for each one of us. Is Christ being formed in you? Is Christ being formed in you? See, I believe at times we make the mistake as followers of Jesus, that since we're members of God's family by our faith in Jesus, since we've answered yes to the first question, then we're good. We can do what we want to do and we can live how we want to live. I believe at times we're guilty of treating the Christian life like a buffet line at a restaurant, I'll have a, bit, a little bit of Jesus here. No, no, no. I don't like. Ooh, no. I'm not. I don't like that. I'll have a little bit of Jesus here. And I'll take a little bit of Jesus here in this here, but, but that that's good. That's good. See, I think at times. We think it's okay to pick and choose what we're going to obey. It's okay because after all, we're in Christ Jesus. We're in God's family. And so that means I can just go ahead and do kind of what I want to do. I'm good. I'll do what I want to do, live how I want to live. If I need the Lord, I'll turn to the Lord. And I'll, I'll be there. But I'm not going to yield All to the Lord. You see, when we look at this second question, is Christ being formed in you? That's God's desire for you and me. God wants us, once we come to faith in Christ, to become more and more like Christ Jesus. God wants the difference Christ makes in us to be seen and heard by others through us no matter our age or stage in life. We must remember if Jesus Christ isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. He's not a part-time Savior. He's an all-time Savior. And he wants all of us. And so we get to this question now. And in order to answer this question, is Christ being formed in us? We, we really have to answer a second question Or a third question, if you will. And and that next question is, so how is Christ formed in us? How is Christ formed in me? To answer this question requires a a two-part answer. So let's look at these two parts real quickly. The first part is God's part. God's part is God forms Christ in us. This is first and this is foremost. God forms Christ in us. We do not form Christ in ourselves. We do not make ourselves more like Jesus because we can't. God forms Christ in us. God makes us more like Jesus. God grows us in our faith in him by his power at work in our lives. As Paul told the believers in Philippi, I am sure of this, that he who started the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul said, I am sure of this. I am confident of this. I know this one thing, that he, God, who started the good work in you, the good work of salvation, the first answer, yes, that he, God, who started the good work in you of salvation, will carry it on. He will continue to form Christ in us, Until completion, when we get to heaven to spend eternity with Jesus face to face. You see, when God saved us, he placed his Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is our convictor, our encourager, our guide, our instructor, our teacher, our helper. He is the one that God uses in his day-to-day work in our lives to shape us and make us more and more like Jesus. Christ is formed in you and me by the power of the Holy Spirit of God at work in us. You see, the Holy Spirit teaches us this word. The Holy Spirit helps to make sense of this word to you and to me. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live what we learn from God's Word. The Holy Spirit helps us to follow Jesus and to become more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit inspires us to fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus day by day. The Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us forms Christ in us, shapes us into the image of of Jesus Christ. And just as God did with Paul and Peter and the believers in these churches in Galatea, just as God never gave up on them, so God will never give up on us. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. That is a point where we can all rejoice. Hallelujah. God will never give up on us. Though we turn away from God at times and sin against God, though we turn and live our way at times instead of living God's way, he will never give up on us. God will carry on and complete his work of forming Christ in us day by day. That's his part. God forms Christ in us. What a comfort that is to us. What encouragement that is to us today. God knows our name. He walks with us. He talks with us. He comforts and counsels us. He calls us his friend. He sees around the corners of our lives. He knows our beginning from our end. He formed us and knit us together. He knew us before we were even in our mother's womb. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. He knows our every thought. There's no place that we can go that he doesn't see us. There's nothing that we can ever do that he doesn't love us. God is faithful to fulfill his part in us. Paul wanted these believers to understand this. This is what he had been sharing with them as he was writing these words to them that we've been studying He's been telling them, God is a faithful God. And this is what God wants us to hear once again today by the Holy Spirit speaking through the teaching of this word, that God is faithful to you and to me. It doesn't matter what we came into this room carrying, what we we're dealing with, what we we're struggling with, where we are at. He's with us. He loves us. And he... Is forming Christ in us. So his part is secure. We know God, as followers of Jesus Christ, will always fulfill his part. The second part to this answer for this question is our part. Our part is to embrace God's work in us. God forms Christ in us. Our part is to embrace God's work in us. Now, There are many reasons why we can rejoice in this truth. We can rejoice because the process of Christ being formed in us is not up to us. We can rejoice because the power to make us more like Jesus is not from us. The process and power of Christ's likeness is from God. Amen? It's from God at work in us. Our part, the part we play is to embrace God's work in us. And as God fulfills his part, he empowers us to fulfill our part, which is to simply embrace his part, which then allows the spirit at work in us that Christ is formed in us. We begin to look more and more like Jesus. We respond more and more like Jesus. We love more and more like Jesus. We Speak more and more like Jesus. We give more and more like Jesus. We serve more and more like Jesus. We encourage more and more like Jesus. We walk more and more like Jesus. And what a joy that is for you and for me as followers of Jesus. So we got to embrace our part. So let's look at what it means to embrace our part. Three quick steps to embracing our part. First, receive Jesus. If Christ is going to be formed in us, then Christ must be in us. As we've mentioned, salvation is a gift of God that we receive by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Luke said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. Paul said that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts, God raised him from the dead, we we are saved. Where's the heart that we believe in to justify? It's with our mouth that we confess and are saved. Paul said, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Jesus, the righteous one, died for us, the unrighteous ones, to bring us to God. Jesus, He Himself is our peace. He is the one who makes us one with God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We must receive Jesus. We're going to embrace our part. We're going to embrace God's work in us. We must receive Jesus. Secondly, surrender to Jesus. God is forming Christ in us, and He knows what He's doing. He knows what He's doing. And so we are simply called to surrender to Jesus day by day. Paul talked about this in Galatians 2:20. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When God saved us, we died to sin and self and living our way. We literally died to sin and self and living our way and we were raised to our new life with God in Christ Jesus. There's no greater definition of surrender than this. We died to sin, self, and living our way, and we were raised to a new life in Christ Jesus. And Paul echoed this, and Paul said, my life is in Jesus, about Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus. He said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this testimony is true for every one of us as followers of Jesus. My life is in Jesus, about Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus. Your life is in Jesus, about Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus. We no longer live according to the word of God as followers of Jesus Christ. We no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives in and through us because he's in us. He's being formed in us. He lives through us as we receive Jesus, as we surrender to Jesus. As we've shared often, the Christian life is not about me living my life for Jesus. The Christian life is about Christ Jesus living his life through me and through you. This happens as we surrender ourselves to him day by day, throughout the day. Yielding ourselves to him moment by moment. Understanding In dwelling and meditating on these scriptures. Understanding, dwelling and meditating on, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. To live is Christ and to die is gain. We understand these truths. They begin to come alive as we receive Jesus. We surrender to Jesus. And then third, follow Jesus. As we surrender to Jesus, we're more likely to follow Jesus. Following Jesus means what he says we do, where he leads we go. Following Jesus is real simple. What he says we do, where he leads we go. We follow him day by day. But listen, following Jesus also means eliminating distractions. Following Jesus means eliminating distractions. A distraction is anyone or anything that keeps us from giving our full attention to following Jesus. A distraction is anyone or anything that keeps us from giving our full attention to following Jesus. What Paul has been sharing with these believers is simply this. The false teachers were a distraction to these believers. The false teachers and their false teaching was keeping these believers from giving their full attention to following Jesus. The false teachers and The willingness of these believers to listen to the false teachers was distracting them from their faith in Jesus and following Jesus. And Paul has been sharing this with them over and over and over again. Guys, these false teachers, they're distracting you from following Jesus. We must ask God on a daily basis to identify the distractions in our lives so that we can eliminate them from our lives in His strength for His glory. We need to ask ourselves, are we truly, really seeking God, are we really trying to eliminate distractions in our lives? Listen, if Christ is going to be formed in us, it means we're going to follow Jesus. And God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for passionate followers of Jesus. He knows we're not perfect. What he wants is for us to, once we've received him, to surrender to him on a day-by-day basis, to follow after him. And when we turn away, he wants us to continually ask him, God, would you identify the distractions in our lives? Because quite honestly, sometimes the greatest distraction in our life from following Jesus is us. It's us. And so God will be faithful by his spirit to reveal the distractions in our lives so that we in his power for his glory can seek to eliminate them from our lives. Now some common distractions that keep us from following Jesus, include our circumstances. When our circumstances don't turn out the way we want, when our circumstances don't change when we want, when we can't seem to understand our circumstances, when our circumstances don't make sense to us, when we don't like our circumstances, when we are tired of dealing with our circumstances when we get impatient with God because he's not doing anything with our circumstances, in these moments, our circumstances can certainly distract us from following Jesus. Maybe that's right where you're at this morning. Secondly, other people. What folks say to us What folks say about us, what folks do to us can distract us from following Jesus. Our enemy Satan loves to use other people the way they are, how they live, what they say, what they do. Even if it's not against us, he loves to use other people to distract us from following Jesus. That's one of the greatest dangers of social media The enemy dupes us and leads us down the rabbit hole of social media because all we're doing is looking at what other people have decided to post about us, which is generally the glorious thing. (laughs) I mean, you know that. It's very rare that folks really post their mistakes, failures, challenges, and difficulties. Quite honestly, much of what folks post at times isn't even true. I've talked to folks. Council folks. Who have admitted they make members of their family look ways, smile, take pictures so they can post and makes everybody look like everything's great. Other people happening here third our sin our sin <laughs> gets in the way of following Jesus living how we want keeps us from following God and living how he wants our own sinful flesh that Peter said we need to abstain from the fleshly simple desires that wage war against us listen we lose that war That's why we need the forgiveness of God on a day-by-day basis. So He can cleanse us and continue that work in us, restoring our fellowship with Him so Christ can be formed in us. Our sin at times, our selfishness, our desire to live and seek and go after what we want rather than what God wants. To pick and choose what we're going to obey from the Word and what we're not going to obey from the Word. The fourth is our thoughts. You know, at times we can be our own worst enemy. You see, what happens is we tune into Satan's channel. And we listen to his lies and accusations about us. We listen as he accuses us of being a failure, of being worthless, of being a failure as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a friend. He begins to lie to us and accuses us and he'll bring back things that others have said to us from the past. Why? Because he wants to discourage us. He wants to isolate us. He wants to distract us from following Jesus. And our thoughts. Man and a minute, if we're not careful, can lead us into very, very dark places. Isolated from God, His Word, His people, and His praise. See, the good news for us is this. We're able to eliminate these distractions by filling our minds with God's Word. We can eliminate these distractions by the truth of God's word. When it comes to our circumstances, James said, Consider it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of our faith develops endurance. Let it endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Paul said, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. When it comes to other people, Paul said, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Be kind and compassionate toward one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you is hardened by sins, deception. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who come against you. When it comes to our sin, James said, or John said, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Solomon said, the one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces his sin will find mercy. James said, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. We understand and know that the psalmist said when God forgives us of our sins, he places them as far as the east is from the west. When it comes to our thoughts, the scripture tells us, Isaiah said, you will keep in perfect peace, God, the mind that is steadfast because it's trusting in you. Paul says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We're to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. We're to tune into God's channel of truth, not our enemy's channel of lies. And when those lies come in, we're to take those thoughts, we're to make them captive, and we're to break to the Word of God and we're to choose to listen and to believe what the Word of God says. We're to think about God and as we think about God in all our ways, He will make our path straight. As we remember God is with us, He will enable us to stay focused on Him. As a psalmist said, I keep the Lord in mind always because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I am not be shaken. You see The point is this, what God has said about us and to us in his word is what is most important for you and for me. We are created in God's image. We're saved by God's grace. We're filled with God's spirit. We're adopted into God's family. We're surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. God knows you and he knows me. He knows our name. He's with us. He walks with us. He talks with us. He counsels. He comforts. He convicts. He changes us in the likeness of Jesus Christ. When pressure is applied, as you know, to a tube of toothpaste, the pressure on the tube of toothpaste reveals what's inside the tube. The pressure of the false teachers and their false teaching was being applied to these believers. And what was being revealed in these believers from these believers, when that pressure was applied to them was an immature faith. They were distracted. From following Jesus. When life's challenges, difficulties, trials, and tests come and pressure our lives, they will reveal what's inside of you and me. When the pressure of life's challenges, difficulties, trials, and tests is applied to us. What God wants is for a mature faith to be revealed in us, which means Christ must be formed in us. Christ being formed in us is a daily ongoing process that we embrace as we surrender to Jesus and follow Jesus by faith day by day and step by step. You see, when Christ is formed in us, others are able to see Christ Jesus through us, which is best for us and those God places around us. As the pressure of your daily life is applied to you, What is being revealed in you? What is it that is coming out of you? God wants us, as we receive Jesus, to surrender to him and to follow him day by day, eliminating the distractions. That keep us from Him, so that we can walk with Him, step by step. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Which team's going to come and lead in this time of invitation? And I want to just encourage you to take these moments and just to respond to the Lord in honesty, and humility, and truthfulness, and faith, and obedience. As He's speaking to you, first and foremost. If you answer that first question, is Christ in you with a no, not yet, and you desire for Christ to be in you, you desire to receive God's gift of salvation by faith in Christ Jesus, then you can do so in these very moments. Our pastors, our ministers will be standing up here in the front. They would love to introduce you to Jesus. We'd love to tell you how to come to know Christ Jesus, the simple process of just claiming the name of Jesus, crying out to him. telling God that you you understand that you're a sinner and you you need a Savior and you believe Jesus is your Savior you believe that Jesus took your place on the cross, paid your price for sin, he died, was buried and you believe he rose again and is alive today and you desire a relationship with him and that just simply means you cry out to God, confess your sin to God, turn from your way turn to live God's way And then just ask Jesus, come in, take over and take charge, and he'll do just that. For those who are my brothers and sisters, this morning of Jesus, the altar is open as it always is. Let's spend this time honestly answering the question, is Christ being formed in us? And then let's ask for God's strength, wisdom, direction to embrace his work in our lives at whatever point we are at this morning so that Christ can continue to be formed in us. God may want you to go minister, pray, bless, encourage a brother, sister in Christ. This is, when that happens, we're family. It's what family does. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord together.